Thank you for choosing the You Thought Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and catch us every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Today, we have the usual bunch of hooligans, Lucas, Jared, Bart, and Aiden. And Jared, baseball is back. The MLB has finally set a plan in motion to begin their season. It is slated to start on July 24th, just six days before the NBA starts its season. This did not come without its bumps and bruises. Commissioner Manfred had to intervene and force a plan for a 60-game schedule. The MLB and the MLBPA couldn't quite come to terms with the deal on financials. Jared, what do you expect out of this shortened season? So I'm going to focus more on the product itself and like the quality of play <laughs> rather than what they have to do with coronavirus and all that because every league is going to be handling that differently. But... I think that starting pitchers are going to be the most valuable position on the field this year, if if they aren't already, um, because a pitcher has the ball in their hand every play. I think pitchers are going to have the upper hand when we return, and we may see historically low ERAs this season. I'm going to give you five reasons why I think this real quick. <laughs> That's a First, lot of reasons. <laughs> but it's quick. First, since there's only 60 games, most pitchers are only going to make like 12 starts. So they don't have to take any starts off. They're, they're going to be fresh every game, theoretically. Two, since there's only 12 starts, there's less opportunities to mess up your ERA, which I know that each start will count for more, but if you're just yeah. on a good roll, it should be fine. Three, um, some people are worried about arm injuries, so starting pitchers may throw less innings per game than normal, mm-hmm. which means that batters aren't going to face pitchers like a third or fourth time through the order, which is usually when the pitcher starts getting knocked around. Uh, and the hitter, because the hitter has the upper hand. Four, I think that during the pandemic break, I would guess that pitchers would have an easier time practicing by themselves because you can throw, you don't really need anybody to practice your pitches. You can just throw against like a backdrop. While hitters almost definitely haven't been seeing live pitching, they might have gotten a pitching machine, but um, I think pitchers will have the upper hand in that regard. And lastly, hitting has a smaller margin of error, as evidenced by the fact that. The best hitters fail seven out of time, ten times. So I think for all those reasons, this is going to be a year of the pitcher. Um, that's my that's something I'll be looking at. What about you guys? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are two main. Oh, go ahead, Ian. No, you're you're fine. <laughs> oh, but... there, so there are two main things I think I picked out that I'm looking at that I'm interested to see. One um, is how a 60 game season works out because a lot has been made recently of like baseball losing its place amongst like the upper echelon of American sports, whether that's true or not. And whether it's fair or not, I think you might be able to attribute that to an 162-game schedule, whereas like people don't feel like their attention can last over you know mm-hmm. all the months. Which, well, I think it's the thing that makes baseball cool. There's like yeah. there's so many opportunities for sample size. Like staying committed every night watching something April through October can get tedious. So I think it might be a fun test run to see if a shorter baseball season will bring in more fans than it wouldn't otherwise. Because if your attention mm-hmm. only has to be there from yeah. August through um october then that's a much shorter amount of time it's like a football season basically and football is one of the most popular sports obviously different amount of games but a lot has been made of people talking about how the nba might permanently shift their schedule um so that they wouldn't have to compete with football as much but i think the same can maybe be said of baseball like if the 60 game season seems to work out for them i could see them going with it in the long term too so that's one thing i'm looking at just how like a 60 game season works and functions and if it still feels like baseball the second um, I think it favors teams that are already 
sort of built to win. Like, you don't have that season to, like, get it together. And I think that's favored in the World Series odds I was looking at it. The Dodgers are plus 375. The Yankees are plus 450. So they're the two favorites because they're essentially complete teams that got better over the offseason with the Dodgers adding Mookie Betts and the Yankees adding Garrett Cole. Um, and then there's a huge drop-off after that, which with the Astros at plus 1,200 and the Twins at plus 2,000 being the next favorites. So it's like, hey, they basically, <laughs> they're basically like, it's either going to be the Dodgers or the Yankees or like maybe wait, anybody else. Wait, you, didn't, you like, didn't say the Mets. That's interesting. The, the Mets are the, forgot Aiden, 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 wait a minute. The, eights, the Mets are the eighth favorite to win. Bro, I believe it. They had the second best record in the NL in the second half last year. They were streaking. They just had too terrible of a start to make up for it. Yeah, they're um, the but... third highest ranked team in the National yeah. League. It's the Dodgers, the Braves, mm. and the Mets are the three National League favorites. I am very hyped. Uh, but... So, but, so yeah, that's another thing I'm looking for is how much this actually plays out. Like Because the Yankees and Dodgers can yeah. are basically already complete teams, whether they can sort of carry that into this short season and roll it into the playoffs. Like If they will yeah. be as heavy favorites as you know, the betting odds are making them look like. Yeah, going off of that, yeah, I think that, uh, like, baseball is a random sport already. Like, it given a, mm-hmm. like, it has a 162-game season, right? But it's still uh, apparently more random than a 16-game NFL season mm-hmm. uh, if you're if you're not controlling for the, the sample size. Um, so, like, if you decrease that to 60 games, we're going to see a lot of randomness. And I, I think that teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees who are just, very dominant and as lucas mentioned got better i don't see them being particularly hurt by this i, I think they'll still come out on top in a, in a 60 game season but i think behind that it, it makes sense that there's going to be a lot of just like unknowns and randomness given that it's a short season um and baseball's already like just you know a very random sport uh so i think we're going to see some surprises in terms of what teams make the playoffs uh um, yeah yeah I think that, like, I, I mean, a 60-game, kind of to Lucas's point again, a 60-game season could be more of a magic number than 162 games is. Yeah. Like, because who's to say that 162 games yeah. means that that's the, that was those were the best teams because an injury can derail a team. Mm. Like, how much does durability really account for mm. um, that? how good your team is? Um, so, but yeah, maybe I kind of hope that something closer to 100 – is uh is the magic number you know i don't think i think 162 does feel pretty long but 60 will be exciting you know yeah i don't think yeah. like i don't think there should be an asterisk by a team that wins that is really good yeah. over 60 games yeah I, who's to say that they're bad they yeah. wouldn't be good in 162 games so. still a lot of games yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no i'll be interested in jared you mentioned earlier about how um it's expected that possibly starting pitchers will throw less innings per game because of this time off and you know shorter training camp and uh, spring training and such um but i'll be interested yeah with how teams react to to that because it's a shorter season so you technically could throw your pitchers for more innings you're not grinding over a longer season but also we have this like weird um weird season where i'm sure players are not in their best shape so you don't want to mess with your pitcher's future maybe by trying to overthrow them like that so then come like um september for example it will be interesting to see how teams handle because i could see some teams who are desperate to make the playoffs like shortening their rotation significantly uh given that yeah like it's a short season they haven't thrown a bunch of innings but we could also see that you know have some big negative effects in terms of pitchers getting injured because they're, they're not in the swing of things kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's a question mark in terms of how teams will, will handle that. 
this mm-hmm. new yeah yeah element i think in terms of like picking a team mm-hmm. i think this is finally the year for the dodgers to win a world series <laughs> i mean they, they just got better they got mookie betts and david yeah. price they did weird way they lose players. a little they did lose <laughs> a little pitching <laughs> although they've won before so just kidding <laughs> yeah <clears throat> they did lose a little pitching but then they they kind of made up for it with david price um their offense is literally just stacked it's, so I, I don't know i i, it's, I think it's, it's the terrifying yeah yeah i was also i was talking to a friend of mine the other day um from back home and he mentioned that the dodgers have lost to the world series champion each of the last three years which is also oh, well sad so like <laughs> they've just gotten unlucky and come up against some really good teams i mean because those years they made the world series so yeah yeah like that <laughs> I, I want it i want it for clayton for for kershaw i just <laughs> want him to right, yeah. not have to deal with the um you know choking and all that again so jared we'll see yes so i've i've heard a lot about the nationals and the rays being some of the two teams to watch going into this year nationals being extremely deep in hitting and the rays are extremely deep in pitching mm-hmm. how much stock do you put in both of those teams and do you would you look at it differently if it, if the nationals and rays won outside of maybe the dodgers yankees astros like those teams with the high betting odds Good question. I'd say I definitely wouldn't look at at it differently. I mean, obviously the Nationals are World Series World Series champs, but the the Rays are always competitive every year. Yeah, they've had good pitching for yeah. a couple years, and and just kind of I guess this is going against my point, but kind of to Aiden's point is we could just see some randomness ha- randomness happen, and the Rays are the team to beat this year through sixty games. You yeah. know, I I don't think I don't think that's completely out of the question. Actually, I, I kind of like that yeah. pick for the Rays. Yeah. Yeah, in they terms are in a of tough the, division. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah that, that's definitely one thing about the Rays. The AL East is always going to be wild. Um, yeah, and yeah, dealing with the Red Sox <laughs> and Yankees. But I think the Nationals. One interesting thing to note is that the Nationals were really slow out of the gate last year. Mm-hmm. Um, they only kind of picked it up second half of the season. Uh, so you can't do that this year. So <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. like teams that are slow, slow on the uptake or need a little, little bit of time to gel together. Like they're mm-hmm. like it's 60 games and it's over. That used to be a, like a little over third of the season. Right now it's yeah. the entire thing. So yeah. I that's agree. the thing though. It's kind of hard to gauge. Like everybody might be slow out of the gate. Yeah. That's right. That's like you really just can't. Yeah. When yeah, I, when I put yeah. mine down on what to expect for the season, I wrote expect the unexpected because there yeah. might be a team that starts slow and who knows if the Dodgers hit a slump or the, Rank- or the Yankees hit a slump yeah. at some point during the season, what that might do to them being on the, yeah. that they only mm-hmm. play 60 games and they can't recover. But yeah. a couple of things that I really like about this change and are some of the rule changes. Now that the NL has a, uh, a DH, a designated hitter, I thought that was really dumb that they never had one before. And I know <laughs> that there's like the tradition, but I mean... <laughs> You know, there's they're doing other things and they're adding a, a runner on second base to start the extra innings. So it feels like they're kind of modernizing yeah. the games and whether these stick going forward. Yeah. I hope that they do look at these changes and then they kind of pull back a little bit from the traditions because although they're like the 60-year-olds who loved the tradition of the game, I think when, for myself personally, as a 23-year-old, I yeah. don't look at it the same way and I'm like, oh, that's yeah. so cool. Like, I don't care about the rich history i want the game to be more yeah. fun to watch so dhs yeah. and the extra yeah. innings like cutting that down because i mean who really wants to sit and watch a 16 inning game you know no, who knows fair. what that second what that runner no, on second does the the runner on second feels kind of like college football playoff style yeah oh uh, yeah. and it's kind of exciting I'm, I'm interested to see it i've heard a lot of hate of it and i'm not convinced yet uh but i'm definitely intrigued um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah i'm excited to see yeah. it 
and the college football playoff gets a lot. Of, oh, go ahead. Sorry, wife. Go ahead. No, you you make your point. I was going to change the subject. Oh <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, and I love college football playoffs too, which I know is also a thing that people don't agree with a lot. But I, like, I love that like it could end at any second. Yeah. And like, I mean, I, that's yeah. true of NFL playoffs too. But it's like there's a higher chance of it in college, and then yeah. each team gets a chance. So I think the runner on second is a cool innovation as well. Yeah. One thing, one more thing, I wanted to throw in, Wyatt, before we change. Uh, there is a trade deadline this year. It's August thirty first. Will there Whoa. be any major trades this year is one thing I'll be looking at as well. With a month because, to I go, mean, that'll be wild. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and a month in. You only, and yeah, and yeah, like sending, sending someone to another team yeah. during a pandemic, is that really a good idea? They <laughs> <laughs> isolate for two He's, weeks and then they start in mid-September. Yeah. It'll be like a yeah. sickness bomb. Like if he gets sick, they'll just oh, be like, oh, you can have him. And yeah. then he'll get the other team sick. You yeah, know? Yeah. yeah. I wrote... Another question. These are these are still baseball related, but do you think that the failure to come to terms leaves a stain on the game? And do you think that there's a potential of a holdout uh, for next year because they weren't able to come to terms? I say no on the stain of the game. If if they finish the season, then I would say no. I don't know about the lockout. Yeah, I think I think the collective bargaining agreement apparently expires after the 2021 season. So I think that's when we'll if if we do see something. We'll see it then. And it did seem like based on this the past couple months that they are not on the same page. So I'm worried about that. Uh, but I think it will wait until um, a year from now. So not um, after this season, but after next season. Yeah. I could see it's definitely season. embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. I, I was going to say, I could see it ending prematurely, but I think it's going to be because of the pandemic. Yeah. If yeah. Not. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, Much more likely, I think. Yeah. Lucas, any thoughts? I read your notes. Any thoughts? Um, I think that there's a chance that there's a negative stain on the game just because I think, like I talked about before, as much as I love baseball, I think that there's just a general cultural like spiral away from it. And I can see this like the continued labor issues and if there's another lockout, like it just sort of adding to the the negativity around baseball yeah. right now like especially after the steroid scandal i mean even though that's not fresh anymore i think it's still left an impact so yeah. i can see it i don't think it's like a surefire thing that um that it'll negatively damage baseball but i think there's a, a high potential for it especially if like things go south during this season or if there's like a lockout or a strike during the next season i guess i didn't feel like they really got <laughs> I paid that much attention to the MLB labor disputes. Mainstream media, like I, I feel like most mainstream media didn't really care that much. So yeah, that's why I don't, I don't think. I want... That's why I don't think it'll have that much of a stain. But that's fair. But I felt like every time I watched SportsCenter over the last few weeks, like there was at yeah. least like a little like five to ten minute segment on it. So yeah, at least in yeah, it's interesting because like now, now yeah now that it's starting, it's like oh like like whatever. I guess that was that was in the yeah. past. But at the time, it was it was pretty embarrassing it was pretty like everyone throwing mud at each other and it just seemed stupid at a time when like the nba for example kind of got their stuff together faster and were yeah. like they had obviously debates over you know um what should happen in orlando and everything but the mlb definitely had an uglier um discussion over that so yeah it didn't look great all right well that was really exciting to have our first kind of real baseball talk on the show but we're gonna we're gonna transition into a Favorite sport among us, basketball, NBA, the hot sport right now. Um, the NBA released the schedule for the eight games for each of the 22 teams headed to Orlando. 
Some notable games include the Clippers-Lakers on opening night and Grizzlies-Pelicans on August 3rd in the push for the eighth playoff spot. Lucas, in thinking about the schedules being released, who are the biggest winners and losers? Well, in terms of winners, I think there's one painfully obvious winner, (laughs) which is the New Orleans Pelicans. They start off with two toughish games against the Jazz and the Clippers, who are both, you know, decent teams. But their last (laughs) six games are easy to say the least. None of those teams have winning records. They play the Kings twice. They play the Wizard, the Magic, and then they also play the Grizzlies in there, who are directly in ahead of them uh, in the standings. So it bears good evidence for the people who think the NBA is really just trying to get Zion into the playoffs. I'm only half kidding. Um, <laughs> then I also picked out another winner being the Sixers, because not only do I love to, a chance to talk mm-hmm. about them at any point, but they end against the Rockets and Raptors. But other than that, they have a pretty easy schedule. They play the Pacers in their first game back, who are missing Oladipo, or will likely be missing Oladipo when the season comes back, and they're directly ahead of them um, in the playoff race, so a chance to catch up. And then other than that, they play the Suns, the Magic, the Blazers, which all should be, I think, easy wins for them. Oh, Blazers. Uh, yeah. Blazers yeah. won't be an easy win. But... <laughs> <laughs> there are some Portland shade. Um, and then losers, um, I think, are the Raptors, who are huge losers in this situation because in their eight games, they play the Lakers, the Heat, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Nuggets of six of their eight games. Yeah. I think the NBA is really really must not want Drake to, like, try and break his way into Disney this year to, like, <laughs> finals. That's okay <laughs> so, with me, yeah. <laughs> because, like, they just gave the Raptors, like, six of, like, maybe the ten best teams um, in their last games. Mm. Also big losers, uh, people who want to see J.J. Redick's playoff streak broken. As I've brought up before on this show, J.J. Redick has made the playoffs <laughs> every year of his career, which I think is a wild stat, um, and he's on the Pelicans. So not only will Zion get into the playoffs, so will JJ Reddick. <laughs> I, I still, I still don't quick. think that they're actually going to okay. make it in. Yeah, I agree oh, with really? Bart. Yeah, I agree with Bart. Yeah, interesting. Wow. Well, so real yeah. quick about the Pelicans. The Pelicans before the uh, pandemic had the easiest remaining schedule. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's the same. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I see your point for the conspiracy theorists that think they're trying to get Zion <laughs> on the playoffs. Yeah. In the playoffs, I see their point. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting because they play, they play, like it depends on how you spin it, I guess. I see it as they play some teams that are uh, going to be fighting for playoff spots too. So like those might not be such easy games depending on whether those teams are still, you know, in the running. Mm. I mean, I guess every team that's in, that's left right now is in the running technically. But like if the Spurs won't be eliminated by then, that will probably be a really tough game. The Grizzlies game is also like, I mean, the Grizzlies are, I think, probably perceived the Pelicans as like the biggest threat right now. So that will probably be a big one as well. So I don't know. Yeah, I I think the Pelicans will have to fight for it. I definitely would buy that the NBA wants them in. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't I don't think it's going to be all that easy. Yeah, I mean, there's still three and a half games back, right? With eight games to go. Is that true? Right. So like that's. But then there's the playoff to get in for the last spot now. So they're the ninth spot they could. Yeah. They have yeah. to be within four games, I believe. So okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So I guess they just need a, a winning record per se in the or uh, versus the the Grizzlies. They need to at least to play at least as well as the Grizzlies. We'll see. Yeah, 
Yeah, but like the Blazers get Yurkic back, they get Zach Collins back. Obviously, Dame said he wants to play meaningful games, and he'll have the chance to yeah. do that. So I don't even know if I would confidently say that the Pelicans mm. will outplay the the Blazers in the rest of the <laughs> season. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be that Western like playoff race is gonna be pretty pretty intense to say the yeah. least. Yeah. 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 Well, kind of piggybacking off of that, Bart. Everybody's talking about the play-in tournament for the eight seed, but the two to seven seed is also very interesting. Um, yeah. There's only in the win column. There's only four wins separating the seven and the two seed. So the Mavericks and Clippers. Um, the three to six seeds are separated by two and a half games. So all that could get shuffled around a lot in these last couple games. I saw an interesting theory too that teams might want to purposely tank to get favorable matchups since they're all so close. Um, <laughs> and since there's one, no one of the people, anymore. but right. But, but I, one team I invented, I identified as having an incentive to get out of their current spot as the Dallas Mavericks. You don't want to play the Clippers in the first round and the Mavericks, I think are actually like a pretty good team. They could make some noise in the playoffs. So I hope they get up to like the six seed and yeah. don't and play the jazz. I, I think, or the nuggets. I think they would play the thunder. If they were the six seed, they would play. I think they'd play. The yeah, five and, five and six play each other. Do they not? Four and five. Four and five do. Oh, that's right. Sorry. Yeah. They play Nuggets. Yeah. What was were you going to say, what? No, I was going to say the same thing. That the, I think the Dallas Mavericks are, are a big winner. Um, their schedule doesn't look that bad, and they have a chance to actually move up and have a more favorable matchup. I don't know if anyone would want to move down. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. I don't see anyone who would like would rather play one of the top three teams. Because I think we kind of forget how good the Nuggets are. I think that you would want to play them over the Clippers, that's for sure. But I'm not going to sit here and be like the Mavericks would easily run into them. But I think having a really good playoff series and having a really good stretch of eight games would be beneficial for the Mavericks and their eight star or their young stars um, for the for this year and going into next year. Everyone believes that Luka is going to win championships, plural championships. But this might be a good kind of stretch your legs kind of thing for Luka. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the Lakers, by the way, have a, a pretty tough schedule. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Decently tough. But I don't really see that as necessarily a bad thing. The, the number one seed is, I would say, is probably locked up, though it's not officially by the numbers locked up. And that tough schedule could prepare them for the competition of the postseason if they're playing good teams. Where a team, maybe a team that's playing all these yeah. like middling teams might not get as much preparation for the postseason. I don't know. This is a question sort of directed at everybody, but do you think because the Lakers are five and a half games ahead with eight games left, so it's like basically impossible for them to uh, lose out on it? Could you see them maybe winning a game or two and then doing what like NFL teams yeah. do a lot and then just sit out their stars for like the last like six yeah. or so games? Yeah. I mean, yes, to, like, yeah. not six oh. games, but yeah. but a certain amount of games. I think that I yeah. can imagine the Lakers are not going to play their stars every single game of the eight games because. Although I like, I wouldn't be worried about the seeding because they are—they're pretty much the number one seed is locked up. But yeah. they're already losing Avery Bradley to the restart. He's not coming back. Mm-hmm. He's probably their third or fourth most important player, depending on where you put Danny Green in there. Danny Green could be third or fourth. Yeah. And if they go in and they play this tough schedule, and maybe like LeBron or AD get like a little bit banged up or even worse exposed to like the pandemic, the coronavirus right before the season or the playoffs start. Mm. I think that'd be really bad. I, I can imagine that a lot of role players like Rondo and Caruso are going to get a lot of playing times, but LeBron might be limited to like 25, 30 minutes of a, a game if yeah. he does play. Yeah. yeah. 
see that as well. It depends on how they look at it, though. I, de- I can definitely see the point where they go, we have to like really get ready for this championship run and really click in all cylinders. But they were playing some of the best, best, best basketball in the league right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I believe that they have still been working out privately. Yeah. So I, 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 I don't know how serious they're going to take them because they're not exactly the same young team they were last year. <laughs> I do yeah. have a question though. Do you think? Or go ahead, Bart. Uh, yeah, I was just going to add if it, if it were like a twenty game, you know, r- remainder of the schedule, I would buy more so that they might set people up. But in just eight games, I think they're going to need all the time they can get to get like yeah. up to shape. So yeah, I would I would believe more yeah. that I buy like players will rest. Like LeBron might play like twenty minutes in some games if they're yeah. this, But I don't. I th- I almost want to say it would be dumb to sit people completely because you just like eight games is mm-hmm. not a lot of time to get back no, into I the swing of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, Bart. So this is something that I, was, I saw on another talk show. Do you think it's better off if Ja Morant gets into the playoffs instead of Zion Williamson for the NBA? I think, at the very least, for like the whole Rookie of the Year discussion, because then that's like another thing that you <laughs> yeah. can really just like give to Ja over Zion. I'm not sure if for the NBA in general. That I'm less sure of. I mean, okay, I, can I, admit- I would rather see Zion versus LeBron than Ja versus LeBron personally. So, All right. Here's the point that they made and that I agree with is that John Morant is like a star in the making. And the only problem is that he plays in Memphis. Yeah. They don't get like a lot of national TV games. The Pelicans were on TV all the time because they had Zion. Right. Mm -hmm. And in these eight games and hopefully a playoff, you know, series against the Lakers will put John Morant on a more national stage and it'll birth two stars Mm -hmm. in the league going forward. And I mean, you know, they have a lot of young players that they can book, but I mean, what, What's the harm of having two players in the same draft who are going to be t- probably tied together for their yeah. entire careers? Yeah. John Moran, and having one of them be like this, another upcoming superstar. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, nobody you looks know, back at like point. LeBron and D Wade as conflicting for attention or anything like that. They were you in know. the same draft. Because <laughs> yeah. the more you can get John Morant in front of people, I think the better. Yeah. 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 One more loser, real quick, too. Is anyone that has to play at 9 p.m.? I heard there, there's 9 p.m. tip-offs. That's late. Yeah, it's very late. <laughs> that does suck. Isn't that? But I guess they're not going anywhere. 6 p.m. Yeah, there's no travel time on the West Coast, so I'm, I think yeah, it's yeah. I, I'm assuming that. it's local time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna move into a little lightning round, or we can call it a grab bag, or whatever you want to be. I'm just gonna give everyone prompts of various games that we play on here. Bart, I'm going to start with you. Vince Carter just announced his retirement. Where does he rank in NBA history? Yeah, so let me just preface that by saying Vince Carter is my guy. Uh, he was a beast. <laughs> but uh, I think we need to be careful not to overrate him. Uh, ultimately, he was really just like an exciting player who was good at scoring for a while. So, like, okay, his accolades are, like, decent. Eight-time All-Star. He won Rookie of the Year in 99. Uh, but then that's kind of where it ends. <laughs> Um, he was all NBA second team once and all NBA third team once, but that's, you know, that's it. He was never all NBA first. He never won a title, never won an MVP or an all-star MVP. He never had a scoring title. Uh, he won the, the dunk championship or the dunk contest, obviously, but that's not really like meaningful as far as all-time rankings go. So I think he was, a, he was great uh, at scoring in his prime. He, you know, he put up like 25 points or so for quite a few seasons in a row. 
but that's really all he was. So I, I put him in like my 70 to 80 range, somewhere around there. <laughs> Definitely not top 50. I can't like... Not top 50? Not top 50, in my opinion. Um, I, I didn't like enumerate everybody from zero to from one to seventy though, so like I'm, I'm not yeah. certain on that. But yeah, my gut yeah. says my gut says he's not quite top fifty. He just didn't he didn't do enough winning. He didn't do enough besides yeah. scoring. So I think that's fair. All right, Jared, I got to fill in the blank for you. <laughs> Brady defying the recommendation of the NFLPA and continuing to work out with his Tampa Bay Buccaneers teammates is blank. The mark of a true competitor, Wyatt. This this reminds me of the age-old saying, football isn't life or death. It's much more important than that. I, people like just insert whatever sport they want basically in front of that. The best the best athletes have crazy dedication to their sport. Like Example is Michael Jordan, who arguably took basketball too seriously, but the, the, the fruits of his labor are, you know, the proof is in the pudding, I guess. Uh, this if this offseason is kind of a, a battle between ensuring players are healthy enough to finish a season versus a player training to be the best best player you can be. Tom Brady wants to be the best player you can be until someone orders him to stop. He's going to continue. I mean, he was jogging like in a Tampa Bay park earlier during the pandemic, right? That, and an official told him to leave. So until he's ordered, he won't stop. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Aiden, you're up. Right. Is it disrespectful to list golf as the 51st most difficult sport? I don't remember where the list came from, Yeah, but boxing was the number one. Yeah. Just a little context for that. Yeah. Yeah. I found the list of, and honestly, I think it's a, su- a stupid discussion in the first place. I, I don't know how you rank sports in terms of difficulty and the list uh, seems to be basing this off of athleticism. Um, yeah. And they mention the word demanding a lot. They're like, boxing is the most demanding sport. Fishing is the, the least demanding. Um, so I'm, I'm going to sound like a, a freshman philosophy major and say that uh, the premise is invalid. Um, I think <laughs> that, like, I think if you're talking about sports that require the most athleticism, then yes, golf is knocking me on top. But that's because it's more about precision and, you know, other things. It doesn't necessarily mean it's less difficult per se. I I think defining difficulty is a a difficult thing to do, to be honest. Um, So I'm not a big golf defender, to be honest. I I don't watch golf. I don't uh, play golf. I have no involvement in golf. Um, But in their defense, I do think this is a little disrespectful because I think it's a stupid poll. um, And I think they should be more clear on their conditions or be more specific about what they're trying to measure. Um, you know. Yeah. Just, just a little context. So this is from unbiased America sports. Is what the tag on this graph says. <laughs> well, in that case, and, and things and speed skating, cycling, lacrosse, uh, wrestling, ice hockey, boxing, mm. all ranked squash, all ranked above mm. golf as a squash sport. In fact, yeah. golf was 51st on a list of 60. So it, yeah. was, it was down there with one of the yeah. easier sports. It's just the head of list. curling and uh, pool. Fishing, and, billiards, yeah. shooting, bowling, curling, <laughs> archery, equestrian, roller skating, yeah, yeah. cheerleading, <laughs> and then golf comes into play there. So yeah. something to think about. So, anyway. Lucas, final one, catcher trash. LeVar Ball is right in saying that LaMelo Ball would be a bad fit in Golden State if he were to go number one overall to them. <laughs> All right, so I was also told to limit myself on time here a little bit, so I wrote everything out word for word. So I'm <laughs> going, going to over, like, type trash. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to trash this take. Um, it might not be best for LeVar and his marketing, since LaMelo Ball would be, like, the fifth best player on that team. Um, but I think it'd be good. Or, sorry, um, LaMelo would be, like, the fifth best player on the team. Mm-hmm. But I think 
it would be good for Lamelo's own development. Mm-hmm. He would have a chance to learn from a great coach in Steve Kerr. He's got great aging players around him who he could sort of like work into the system and learn from them. Um, and I also think because he's a very very good player, but I don't think he's necessarily like a generational type talent. I think he could benefit from a few years of waiting in the wings before he sort of takes center stage. So I think it's actually a pretty good fit for yeah. him if he's going to go anywhere else. Like that's a very stable organization. Yeah. Nice. Great time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> How many times did you rehearse that? Uh, <laughs> um, at least four times. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're going to finish off today with some NFL discussion. Jamal Adams uh, has publicly demanded a trade from the New York Jets after both sides couldn't agree on a potential contract extension. Since then, he has doubled down saying that it's time to move on and, quote, bro, I'm trying in regards to a potential trade to the Dallas Cowboys. He has also shared his disdain for head coach Adam Gase. So, today, we have with us our favorite uh, New York native, Aiden Lewis, and the only Jets fan Wyatt knows. So we're going to start with him. Um, Bart and Jared and Lucas know so many other Jet fans. Like. <laughs> um, Aiden, what's the fallout from Jamal Adams and his demand to be traded from the Jets? Um, yeah, it's <laughs> there's there's plenty of fallout, as there always is with the Jets. I'm pretty jaded at this point, so I'm not particularly surprised by any of this. Uh, this is not the first time. Uh, the Jets have mishandled something. Surprise, surprise. Um, but I actually don't think, to, to start with the Jets' defense, I don't think they're totally in the wrong here. Um, among defensive, like, first-round picks since 2011, only three have gotten extensions after their third seasons. Um, we're talking about Patrick Peterson, Robert Quinn, and J.J. Watt. So it's pretty elite company. Um, does Jamal Adams belong with them? Very possibly. Um, but there are other elite players like Aaron Donald or uh, Khalil Mack who, who played out their rookie contracts. Um, and I think in given coronavirus and everything like expected decreased revenue this season, I think NFL teams in general are going to be a little uh, more risk averse. And also the Jets aren't really sure about their future. This is going to be a real key season for the Jets in determining whether Sam Darnold is the QB of the future. And if he's not, then it might be honestly time to rebuild again, because uh, we all know how important mm-hmm. a QB is in the NFL. Um, if, if Sam Darnold doesn't turn the corner, then I'm not sure it's worth investing a ton of money in Jamal Adams at this point, who doesn't play a premium position, even if he is very dominant at his position. Um, With that said, um, I do personally think the judge should pay the man and take a risk here. Um, He's been the largest force on a defense that at least last year uh, was the Jets strong point. It was a a defense that overachieved. And even if he doesn't play a premium position at safety, he's, um, he's so versatile. He essentially played linebacker a lot of times last year. He was blitzing. He had the he had the most sacks of any over his first three seasons. He has the most sacks of any DB ever um, in terms of like the a, a DB's first three seasons. Um, he's a playmaker. He forces you know forces fumbles even if he's not making a lot of picks. Uh, but he he does add like a whole separate dimension to the defense, a whole kind of chaos to it. Um, so I think that uh, the Jets are being safe here because they. They're not sure if they're going to be paying Sam Darnold big bucks. They're not sure if they're going to be, uh, you know, rebuilding again at some point in the near future. Uh, but I, I do think that it makes sense for them to, like, Jamal Adams is not going to play at this point uh, if they don't give him, at least for the Jets, if they don't give him a new contract. Um, and I think it's worth the risk for the Jets, who are kind of a borderline contending team. They were 7-9 and nine last year. The AFC East is pretty open at the moment. Um, if well, Cam Newton might have something to say about that, but um, we'll see. 
Um, but <laughs> yeah, so I, I think it'll be interesting. Um, but another, before I finish this long spiel, um, an interesting <laughs> thing I learned about Jamal Adams this week was that his father played for the Giants in the 80s. Uh, he had a, like a good rookie season. Um, and then training camp of his second year, he suffered a hip injury that essentially ended his career. Uh, so you can kind of see where Jamal Adams is coming from in terms of wanting to be paid at the moment, if that's kind of his, you know, what he's seen happen um, with his father, who is, you know, who he's apparently very close to. Um, so anyway, so it's it's an interesting situation, but um, I, I do think the Jets should should open that checkbook. <laughs> Here's a not so hot Jets take. Mm. They're on a crash course for a total rebuild. <laughs> they're they're willing. They have completely ruined their relationship mm-hmm. with their best player. Not, and I'm yeah. sorry, it's not Sam Darnold. It's not their best player. <laughs> their head not. coach has has not. already <laughs> damaged his relationship with some of their other best players, like Le'Veon Bell, where he claimed that yeah. Gase said that he didn't even want him in the first place. This team isn't going anywhere. I know that they were seven and nine last year, but I'm not really looking at Sam Darnold as a future of quarterbacks and one of the best quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the league they already have one of the best players in the league in jamal adams mm-hmm. who is probably you can make the case that he is the best player at his position and they're refusing to pay him i mean what's i don't know what the hiccup is it's not like they have a lot of talent around them it's not like they're going to be building a championship team anytime soon and if they just get rid of jamal adams and they just completely break down that defense all over again how much longer before they can say they can say that they have another guy that good, you know, yeah. in the future? Yeah, yeah. The the solution to me seems clear as day. There's a, a common denominator here, and it's it's just Adam Gase being disliked. It seems like yes. they should just get rid of him, <laughs> and then hire a coach whom the players actually like. Obviously, that's easier said than done. Let Jamal Adams <laughs> stay because presumably then he would be more comfortable yeah. with it, especially if they opened up the checkbook like Aiden yeah. said. Uh, like you wouldn't have this issue of moving forward and then you could maybe try to avoid a rebuild and actually build on seven to nine instead of crash coursing into it. Like you said, why? Okay. With that being said, I don't love the idea of one player having so much control and basically like forcing a coach yeah. out, which is essentially what Jamal Adams would be doing in this case, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. if it's like a safety, maybe with yeah. a quarterback or something yeah. you know, kind of like more important. I could see it, but still it's like, yeah, like you mentioned, Le'Veon had the same issues. So yeah. it's not a it's not an isolated incident. I don't know that Adam Gase is like a particularly good like head coach just in terms of like his football <laughs> IQ. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It seems to me like the Jets organization should maybe be thinking about that instead of just getting rid of Adams. No, honestly, yeah. yeah and I think at the moment they're going to be scared of getting rid of like they're they're too far into the offseason to get rid of Gase at the moment, right? But yeah. also they don't want to. Yeah, I don't think they want it to seem like he was pushed out by Jamal Adams. But it definitely seems like no one likes him like that was the whole report last year and also it's not like he's a good coach there was also that no one respected him as a coach either which is <laughs> concerning like there are plenty of coaches that aren't liked but are, like you know people still understand that they're possibly a good coach um so i don't say like if the jets are weak out of the gate i think if we're four or five games into the season and we don't see like a winning record um, I honestly think that that'll be enough of an excuse to um, see Adam Gase maybe, maybe uh, you know, ditched. Yeah, and, and teams He's, teams give up on organizations, give up on coaches yeah. before they'll give up on the the quarterback or whatever yeah. or the player. So yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I do have a question, and Aiden, I'm gonna throw it to you. <laughs> do you think that <laughs> do you think that Sam Darnold is the guy? Uh, personally. No, um, I, I want him to be. But uh, you look at, like, 
quarterbacks like as much as we like to say that quarterbacks develop over years right and there are definitely cases where a quarterback improved over several years i mean sam darnold has like a lot of quarterbacks at this point look good out of the gate or at least you know solid out of the gate by their second year they're good and sam darnold's obviously had injury issues he didn't you know he hasn't had a full chance to prove himself uh, but what i've seen out of him seems more like mark sanchez than it does like you know a, a quarterback who's gonna um, develop into something special. So I'm, Mark I'm Sanchez concerned. made a couple AFC yeah. championships. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was he was carrying he was carrying those teams, wasn't he? Yeah, it wasn't the the running game or the defense. Yeah, um, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I would I would gladly take some AFC championships, um, but I, I don't. I'm not totally convinced in Sam Darnold, and um, I would like to be proven wrong on that. And that's why I think this season is going to be huge. I think we're going to know after the season. Unless he has some, you know, um, huge injury, I think we're going to know whether um, we want to move forward with him or not. But I, I have not been sold thus far. Final question: Where should Jamal Adams go, if anywhere in the league? Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, right. Stop it, <laughs> you know where I think no, he should no. go? I think Bill O'Brien should trade two first-round picks for him <laughs> because that's what he would do, and then trade him for a third-round pick and like another busted-up player down the road. I, I feel like I can sense that happening. I saw a Photoshop of him in a Texans uniform, and I could just imagine the terrible <laughs> trades that Bill O'Brien has thought up. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. It's, really, it's, though, I think he should yeah. go to the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, that's mm. a great fit. Yeah. I think Bart, Bart, did you mention this last week? The Ravens, too. I think the Ravens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It It seems like like he's kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, true, yeah. Yeah. He seems like he's kind of set on the Cowboys, though. He grew up there. Um, He's been, he's been tweeting about it, so. Not that the, (laughs) not that the Jets will, like, I doubt that'll impact their decision, I guess. Like, if he's spurning them, they have no reason to trade him to a team that. He wants if I'm to the go Jets, here, but we'll see. Yeah, I would not care at all where yeah, he wanted to go. Yeah. <laughs> I would trade him for, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah. there are a lot of players. I mean, if I'm as honest, if I'm looking at Jacksonville, who are trading looking to trade away their star edge rusher, maybe mm. you could work something out there, regardless of what Jamal Adams thinks about going all the way down yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Who he, knows? He, I don't care. Wait, wait for see. wait for Nick Foles to have a great season and then trade Jamal Adams for him. <laughs> stay on the tra- stay on the train of renting Nick Foles for a couple of years, right? For a year or two. Hey, you know. We'll I-, I like how we put in his request of like teams he want to be traded to, and we're just yeah. like eight of the ten best teams. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I-, I get that it kind of makes it harder for another team, like leverage wise. But like, come on now, you're you're asking yeah. to trade it. You're already like kind of yeah. Uh, Do you remember screwing yourself? that once upon a time Antonio Brown was traded to the Bills and he just straight up said no. He said I'm not going there. And then and then they traded him to the Raiders. <laughs> oh, I remember that. And that worked out so well. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that all worked out. And then they went and lived happily ever after. Oh god. Hurt? I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Bills might not have been, you know, a terrible place if he had had the right No, they would have been a great like, place for him. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but anyway, he clearly did not have the right attitude. Wanted to move out of the, yeah. the Great Lakes industrial area. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that just about wraps up our episode this week. Thank you, as always, for listening uh, and listening through to the end. We applaud you. We thank you. Like Wyatt mentioned earlier, please do subscribe to us on all mediums. 
Um, share, share links to our podcast episodes on social media. Please interact with us. Uh, tweet at us and tell us how stupid we are. Let's uh, respond to our polls so that we can actually, you know, gather some data. Um, thank you again for listening and we'll see you all next week.